Is this frequency in use? Welcome to Southgate Vibes, a selection of the latest stories direct from Southgate Amateur Radio News. I'm Steve Richards, Golf 4 Hotel Papa Echo, and in this podcast, you're going to hear my personal picks of what is happening in amateur radio and the wider world of communications. Whether you're just starting out in ham radio or an experienced operator spinning around the spectrum for those rare and sometimes strange signals, I hope you'll find something to entertain you here. Welcome to Southgate Vibes. Greetings. And once again, we delve into the current news stories for anything radio-related. And this episode takes us all the way from France into outer space. And yes, so first some great news from 408 kilometres above the Earth. We reported a while back that the amateur radio operation on the International Space Station had gone quiet, affecting planned communications with schools all around the world. The American Amateur Radio Society, the ARRL, has provided us with a welcome update. Some six weeks after going silent following a spacewalk that installed new antenna cabling, the amateur radio on the International Space Station, ham station in the Columbus module, is once again operational. The Columbus Station, which typically uses the callsign November Alpha 1 Sierra Sierra, is the primary ARIS amateur radio facility used for schools' contacts and other activities. A January the 27th spacewalk replaced a coax feed line installed 11 years ago with another one built by the European Space Agency and Airbus. And that is when the station unexpectedly went quiet. While the specific cause of the problem has not yet been determined, a March the 13th spacewalk restored the antenna cabling to its original configuration and that provided the cure. A plan to return the ARIS cabling to its original configuration had been a contingency task for a March the 5th spacewalk, but the astronauts ran out of time. So the work was appended to the to-do list for astronauts Mike Hopkins, Kilo Fox 5, Lima Juliet Golf, and Victor Glover, Kilo India 5, Bravo Kilo Charlie, who completed the work a week later. You can read the full ARRL story at www.arrl.org forward slash news. Now, I'm aware that a number of UK amateurs complained to the RSGB and Ofcom in the past couple of years about offensive transmissions on the amateur bands that appeared to be coming from France. These were taking place daily and causing a fair bit of disruption. Now, whether or not it's the same source cannot be identified by the evidence provided, but the French authorities received so many complaints from their own amateur operators that they swung into action. France's National Frequency Agency, the ANFR, has taken action against a radio amateur who allegedly used threatening language on the air. In a report, ANFR said that at the end of 2020, they joined forces with the gendarmerie to stop an amateur radio operator who was uttering insults and threats on the airwaves. 
It all started with complaints from the amateur radio community to the ANFR about inappropriate behaviour on the airwaves, punctuated by offensive remarks and death threats. Numerous letters and emails were sent to the ANFR to complain about the particularly inappropriate remarks of an individual. The ANFR decided that it was necessary to put an end to the actions of this individual, whom they referred to as Musker X. The first action was to gather actual evidence of these excessive and insulting remarks. Monitoring HF frequencies through the use of the ANFR radio station located at their International Control Centre near Rambouillet, agents were able to confirm these offensive transmissions. Then, investigating further, the ANFR agents discovered that Monsieur X had failed to declare his radio installation to them. This lack of declaration constitutes an infringement of the Electronic Postal and Communications Code, which may be punishable by six months' imprisonment and a fine of €30,000. This oversight immediately provided a legal basis which made it possible to seize Monsieur X's radio equipment without further delay. His location was quickly found, thanks to the database of amateur radio call signs maintained by the ANFR. A local survey confirmed the existence of an amateur service installation, with photos of the external antennas to support this. The ANFR then requested the support of the Gendarmerie Brigade in the area where Monsieur X resided. A site visit was planned. At the request of the gendarmerie, the ANFR took part in the operation in order to identify the incriminating equipment. So, one day in December 2020, at 6am, the raid was launched. The premises was soon secured. ANFR experts entered the scene to examine radio equipment and carry out some measurements and checks. The equipment Monsieur X had been using was quickly identified and immediately placed under seal. Monsieur X was taken into custody. The next morning, he was presented before the public prosecutor, who notified him of his upcoming summons before the criminal court. In the meantime, he'd been placed under judicial supervision. The cooperation between the ANFR and the gendarmerie has shown its effectiveness in putting an end to these violations of the regulations. This collaboration made it possible to combine expertise and investigative powers for the benefit of the protection of the radio frequency spectrum with the help of the entire community of radio amateurs. Amateur radio makes it possible to experiment and communicate by radio by making multiple contacts on the frequency bands, either as primary users or shared with other users of the spectrum. To enable this activity, the radio amateur must obtain a licence which recognises their competence and a call sign which identifies them as an authorised user of frequencies. The use of radio installations by the amateur radio service must comply with the regulatory conditions. Violations of the regulations relating to the amateur service can result in fines, jail terms or administrative sanctions, withdrawal or suspension of the amateur radio call sign. And of course, compliance with these administrative rules does not exempt the radio amateur from respecting human rights, starting with those of their fellow radio amateurs. In this case, it appears ANFR seized the equipment not for what was said on the air, but for a technicality involving EMF compliance. The French licence requires amateurs to register with ANFR if they have a station that is capable of running more than 5 watts ERP. It appears such a trivial task to declare it, you just log on to the ANFR website and register your station as being capable of running more than 5 watts ERP. That's all there is to it. No further details are required. 
In this case, the amateur had neglected to carry out this simple task, and it was for that that the ANFR seized the equipment, not for his alleged actions on the air. You're listening to Southgate Vibes with me, Steve, G4 Hotel Papa Echo. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a comment or a question, pop us over an email. Our address is vibes at southgatearc.org. That's vibes at southgatearc.org. You never know, we might feature your message in a future edition. Now, you know that I couldn't possibly resist a streak of hot gas that shares my name. Now is the season of the Steve. The Northern Hemisphere spring is less than a week away. That means hot ribbons of plasma are starting to flow in Earth's magnetosphere. High-latitude sky watchers are seeing this purple phenomenon called Steve from their backyards right now. Steve is short for Strong Thermal Emission Velocity Enhancement. It was long thought to be a type of aurora borealis, but it's not. Auroras appear when particles rain down from space. Steve, on the other hand, doesn't require rain. Instead, satellite measurements show that it is a ribbon of hot gas at 3,000 degrees Celsius, speeding through the upper reaches of Earth's magnetic field faster than 10,000 miles per hour. The ribbon's purple hue is still a mystery. Some research suggests the colour comes from heated nitrogen, but the jury is still out. You can see photos of the phenomenon in the full article over at spaceweather.com. Last weekend saw the anniversary of one of the most significant geomagnetic disruptions on our Earth. The Sun may be 93 million miles away, but so immense is its energy that it can cause serious headaches for our power distribution systems, and the next major test on how our modern society will cope is probably overdue. They called March the 13th, 1989, the day the sun brought darkness. On that day, a powerful coronal mass ejection, a CME, hit Earth's magnetic field. 90 seconds later, in Canada, the Hydro-Quebec power grid failed. During the nine-hour blackout that followed, millions of Quebecois found themselves with no light or heat, wondering what was going on. It was the biggest geomagnetic storm of the space age, said Dr David Bottelet, head of the Space Weather Group at Natural Resources Canada. March 1989 has become the archetypical disturbance for understanding how solar activity can cause blackouts. After darkness engulfed Quebec, bright auroras spread as far south as Florida, Texas and Cuba. Reportedly, some onlookers thought that they were witnessing a nuclear exchange. Others thought it had something to do with the Space Shuttle, which remarkably launched on the same day. 
The astronauts were okay, although the shuttle did experience a mysterious problem with a fuel cell sensor that threatened to cut the mission short. NASA has never officially linked the sensor anomaly to the solar storm. It seems hard to believe now, but in 1989, few people realised solar storms could bring down power grids. The warning bells had been ringing for more than a century, though. In September 1859, a similar CME hit Earth's magnetic field, the infamous Carrington event, sparking a storm twice as strong as that of March 1989. Electrical currents surged through Victorian-era telegraph wires, in some cases causing sparks and setting telegraph offices on fire. These were the same kind of currents that would bring down Hydro-Quebec. The March 1989 blackout was a wake-up call for our industry, said Dr Emmanuel Barnabou of PJM, a regional utility company that coordinates the flow of electricity in 13 US states. Now we take geomagnetically induced currents very seriously, he said. The next Quebec-level storm is just a matter of time. In fact, we could be overdue. But if Barnabou is correct, this time the sun won't bring darkness, only light. If you're interested in finding out more about the mechanisms that bring about these significant effects, head over to spaceweather.com and seek out the article, The Great Quebec Blackout. Well, that's it for this time. You've been listening to Southgate Vibes, stories about amateur radio and the world of communications from Southgate Amateur Radio News. You can find these stories and many more daily reports at our website, southgatearc.org. Don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch by sending an email to vibes at southgatearc.org. So until next time, this is Steve Richards, G4 Hotel Papa Echo, signing off and wishing you best 7-3.